This is my national treasure, and I'm Nicolas Cage, <laughs> and the seer stones are the Declaration of Independence. Uh, if you have a an heirloom peep stone or divining rod, yeah. if you don't send me a picture, I'm going to freak out. If I find out, and you're a listener, and you didn't send me a picture, I'm going to freak out. Welcome to Please Bless This Podcast. This is the podcast where two sisters talk about all things Mormon and pop culture, and sometimes... Uh, divination tiktok divination tiktok that is what has led us here today are you pulling out your tarot cards i'm pulling out the tarot cards <laughs> right at the appropriate. top yeah um i just have to say we could talk about this every week we really we could, could talk about this every week this is my jam <laughs> this is it and honestly reading your outline which i did 30 minutes ago as mm-hmm. per usual I'm starting to understand why, you know, maybe it's in my blood a little bit. Yeah. Mormons love a little divination. A little occult. Yeah. A little occult, a little divination. It turns out. While you're getting your cards ready, I'll give a little context. So uh, the TikTok algorithm decided that I was the audience for this woman who uses divining rods and asks questions of the spirit of her dead grandfather I believe and I was hooked I was like the algorithm read me like a book I didn't even know this was what I was looking for like what is this I I need to watch everything that I can get my hands on I was fascinated and it led me down a few little rabbit holes looking into divining rods and divination And that inevitably led me to this book that ex-Mormons are familiar with. It is Mm. Early Mormonism and the Magic Worldview by D. Michael Quinn. Um, I was familiar with this text's existence, but I had never read it. And I got to tell you, I read basically the entire thing. I couldn't put it down. It's fascinating. So we want to talk about early mormon magic basically yeah folk magic let's go um first and foremost i'm gonna pull a few cards Mm -hmm. okay let's really let's set the tone and just so you guys know i'm doing this like fully truthfully earnestly from the bottom of my heart okay great not ironic Hmm. the five of diamonds the i'm not gonna say this right that's embarrassing the hero fan the hero font the hierophant okay the hierophant we're going with that great tradition spiritual authority and deception mm. oh deception interesting period perhaps relevant to our discussion <laughs> it might be it might end up kind of adding up I feel like right off the top, I'm glad you said you're pulling a tarot card earnestly. You know, we're not making fun of here. Like, I'm not here to mock divination TikTok. I don't feel that way about it. Mm-hmm. I um, I wouldn't call myself a believer. Mm-hmm. But if there's anything I learned from being a believing Mormon for decades of my life, It's who am I to (laughs) claim to know better than anybody else about like 
how you're going to live your life, how you're going to make your decisions, how you're going to seek truth. God bless. Do you. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you to do otherwise. Yeah. I wouldn't call myself a disbeliever. I'm not Mm -hmm. a believer, but also I came prepared with some like protection stones. Okay. This one's shaped like a coffin. Mm -hmm. Um, so that no, uh, dead people like hurt me. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, I, we, obviously we've been talking about doing this episode for a while and when we originally um talked about it i was like oh i'm gonna make divining rods Mm -hmm. i'm gonna make dousing rods like we're doing it because i know i know about that i've I've seen films i'm like Mm -hmm. okay let's go but then my my brain my like slight believer brain was like oh wait that might be real yeah let's take it easy i know i was like we ought to be careful you know we don't want to like uh open any portals <laughs> no portals thanks and also my house is haunted and mm. i'm pretty happy with the relationship that i have with the ghosts right now and yeah. i don't need we don't need to like open it up anymore good i think yeah. that's important i will also say that in um in clarifying that we're not here to like judge divination tiktok i'm i'm really not even here to judge early mormons who were into folk magic save the absolute scumbag liars and we'll get into that yes um it's one thing to like seek truth how you seek truth it's another to seek truth in particular ways and then pretend that you don't and and condemn other people for doing it like yeah that's messed up yeah they really have dialed the magic back Ooh, have they ever which I find sad. Although I did see like a TikTok just this week, like a on Exmo TikTok. Um, it was Exmo Lex, and she was like, "Do you ever think about how uh, Mormons believe in magic?" And um, you know, I still think that's true of any sort of faith-based person. If you're someone who believes in like miracles and God and jesus came to earth and died for our sins so that we can be resurrected right like there's a magical element to all that i mean mormons take it to a whole other level they'll like um a mormon man with the priesthood will put his hands on your head anoint you with like special blessed olive oil and heal you of illnesses Mm -hmm. and like mormons believe that that's real right that's a magic and that's still kind of on the more like religious side, the religious mm-hmm. magical side. What we're talking about here in like the early days of Mormonism is straight up folk yeah. magic. Straight up. Just like straight up, like, you know, the stuff that your weird aunt Enchantments. Does. Charms. Right. Charms. Yeah. Talismans. Yes. All of it. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So a little context for the book that I read this in preparation for this episode Early Mormonism in the Magic Worldview, published in 1987. D. Michael Quinn, who wrote the book, um, is a famous Mormon historian. A lot of our listeners are probably very familiar with him. Um, He was a BYU professor at the time that he wrote and published this book. And, but he got some heat for it. He resigned from his position at BYU a year after this book came out. Wow. 
among other like topics for his research like not just magic he was also like researching polygamy and like women in the church and yeah and he was just getting heat for it and so he resigned he also later came out as gay and i think there had been pressure about that too Mm -hmm. so but he was a believing member of the church writing this book Mm -hmm. um he was eventually excommunicated in 1993 as one of the september 6 which is a group of scholars intellectuals researchers who were studying and writing about the church in ways that the leadership of the church didn't like they were they were not thinking about the right things they yeah they should have just kept it to themselves (laughs) right although so much of what they were writing about is now like stuff the church is like oh yeah of course that's all real whatever yeah that's canon yeah yeah but at the time it was like don't look there don't ask that question um my claim to fame is that i met d michael quinn once at a morning (sighs) history association conference of course you did i went to that conference once when i was getting my phd and i presented a paper about who even cares what it was about but um (laughs) it was like fascinating to hear him speak about his experience researching the church and he like worked with the uh, the like official church historian for years i don't know mm, he cool he knows where the bodies are buried he's seen how the yeah those know. are some journals i'd like to read yes yeah. um and he passed away just a couple of years ago so an icon yeah. um some bombshells from this book i'm just gonna like go and let's go you jump in with all the bombshells you've got too. Okay. Um, the basic thesis of the book is there are, are truckloads of evidence that folk magic was huge among early Mormons. Just truckloads, like truckloads, yeah. Undeniable. They were using divining rods, peep stones, they were fortune telling, they were divining dreams, they were money digging, they were carrying around little charms and talismans. It was all on and popping. One of my favorite like um, claims that is made in this book, and it's one that a lot of people want to argue with, is that Joseph Smith was super into astrology and he would choose like astrologically significant dates for things. So the day the church was organized, April 6, 1830, if you grew up Mormon, you know Mormons love to be like, this date is so important. It's like actually Jesus's birthday. It's like actually like whatever, 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 right? And D. Michael Quinn is like, well, actually it was um, like Saturn was the powerful planet on that day or whatever and saturn is joseph smith's astrologer and like he wanted like a big saturn energy or jupiter actually jupiter so like yeah maybe that was actually it and i just love that so much um i just want my parents to know to like learn that and have their minds absolutely blown um okay so some some fun little tidbits. Joseph Smith's ancestors were accusers during the Salem witch trials. Natch. So believers in witchcraft, a little bit afraid, but then over time decided, let's just get into it ourselves, right? Yeah. Also, what's the word? Um, religious. Oh, what's the word when you're like crazy about religion? You're a uh, zealot? 
well sure you're a zealot but like when you genuinely like you're a schizophrenic person who has religious ideation oh sure family history baby there it is sure anyway carry on um joseph smith senior and oliver cowdery's dad were likely part of a group in vermont so before the smith family moved to palmyra um and this group was called in the local newspaper the fraternity of rodsmen and this was a group of men who used divining rods to you know just bond (laughs) and seek truth um and the leader of this group was a man named nathaniel woods and he said that they were all descendants of ancient jews which again if you grew up mormon that is tantalizingly familiar yeah um and he also said that they needed to build a temple hmm Hmm. so you're seeing some of these um ideas popping up early on in the family history um there's also like a member of joseph smith's family who wrote a letter being like you all need to stop with your divining rods and treasure seeking and blah 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 and I know that's why you moved to Palmyra in the first place, because there was all this lore around the Palmyra area about how there was like hidden treasure in the hills. Mm. And so like the Smith family yeah, ostensibly moved there to be like finding treasure in the ground. That's so cool. Isn't it? I mean, to think about like in the early 1800s, like what an ordeal to move your family out of state to a new place. and to be like well there's treasure there let's go so the smith family moves to palmyra joseph smith jr the prophet of the mormon church is using a divining rod as early as age 11 and he's like known around palmyra for using rods and seer stones to find treasure so he's like a like a little boy doing magic tricks yeah and the people love him. One thing yeah. that, like, D. Michael Quinn emphasizes over and over is that, like, the locals were huge fans of Joseph Smith. <laughs> it was only when he published the Book of Mormon and was like, hey, I've got this new scripture that's not the Bible that people were like, wait, 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 hang on, back yeah. up. That's too far. The magic yeah, the cracks. shit, they were like, yeah. yeah. And were they finding treasure? No. <laughs> no they weren't finding anything i in everything that i read there was no evidence that he ever like actually found treasure but there was a lot of like oh you know they're digging and they hit something and they're like this is it but then you know because they looked at it wrong or moved dirt on it wrong or whatever their own wickedness the treasure was like sucked back into the earth Oh, sure. So the source, you know, similar to the gold plates, you know, yeah. if you yeah. sneeze at it, it disappears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. If you give it a little side eye, it's a goner. Yeah. So, sure. but he's like traveling around doing this, not just in his hometown. Like he was uh, around the Susquehanna River getting paid by people during the summers to, I mean. to find the locations for digging he's a hustler he's a hustler man good for him um what else what else oliver cowdery was a big rod guy too obviously his father had been he and joseph get together later on in life and are like oh hey we uh 
we have this in common um this was the thing that kind of shook me a little so um in the original book of commandments which was later named the doctrine and covenants which is like canon scripture for mormons yeah. there's this famous scripture where joseph smith is receiving revelation for oliver cowdery and he's like here is what the spirit of revelation is like you um the lord will tell you in your mind and in your heart that something is true or right this is like a scripture that every mormon missionary has to memorize like it is mm-hmm. commonly quoted um, but what I learned was that in the original Book of Commandments, Joseph Smith was talking to Oliver Cowdery about his gift of using a divining rod and was like, you have this great gift with the rod and like, <laughs> you know, don't tell too many people about it unless they like get it. But let me tell you like another gift of Revelation and like what that feels like. Whoa. Yeah that's crazy i know so it's like right in there like these these dudes are using divining rods for religious purposes how do i send this to our mom right well i did some googling today on the church website because i was like what is the church saying about this shit now it's right in there they're not hiding it anymore because they can't Mm -hmm. but it's just kind of like buried in this super vague language they're like yeah when Joseph was talking to Oliver Cowdery about divining rods, like they're not, they're not lying anymore. <laughs> like they they're just to. like kind of gaslighting us as if that's yeah. not like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're just kind of burying it. If you don't look for it, you would never have a reason to find it. And they talk about it so neutrally. Like hmm. it is, it's honestly impressive. Yeah. <laughs> like, They've got their messaging down, their lack of messaging, really. Yeah. Um, the hustle prevails. The hustle prevails, man. But what I find interesting about that is it's like one of an one of the early like times where we see um Joseph Smith being like, don't tell too many people about how you're into this thing. Yeah. And like he does that throughout his sort of reign of terror as a Mormon prophet it turns out Mm. like he did it with like Brigham Young and astrology he did it with um himself and polygamy he was like publicly like oh I'm condemning this and privately was like give me them wives so it's a real pattern and like a pattern at the highest level of the church and a pattern that continued on after Joseph Smith died. And I couldn't help. And D. Michael Quinn calls it out. This believing member of the church is like, look at this little pattern here. Hmm. And I couldn't help but be like, so do like the leaders of the church still think that's cool and like fine. And they're right. Yeah. To just like outrightly lie. Sure. If it's for the good of the group, they had a good reason. God was cool with it. God was like, that's what's up yeah go ahead and lie about this keep it up fam the peeps aren't ready the hustle prevails the hustle prevails um heber c kimball was another big rod guy and d michael <laughs> you gotta quinn stop saying that that's enough <laughs> and d michael quinn finds um this example of him like using defining rods while like um engaging in the true order of prayer which is a phrase that if you've been through the mormon temple and received your endowment you know what that means 
And so he's like making the symbols of the temple and using divining rods to pray and like talking about that, like that's just chill and normal and cool. That literally like <laughs> made the hairs on my arm stand up. That's <laughs> chilling. Uh-huh. I already, I feel like we've talked about this before. I get like freaked out when I talk about what goes on in the temple. I never went through the temple other than to do like baptisms for the dead, which is weird enough. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, when I did eventually learn what goes on in there, like it freaks me out. It makes me feel uncomfy. It makes me feel a little bit like betrayed by (laughs) my family. It's like scary to me. So to hear that on top of it is like, Mm -hmm. shield your face. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, the temple is absolutely the strangest. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know. There are lots of places to go to find more info about what goes on in the Mormon temple if you're interested. Yeah. I don't want to get into it too much. Yeah. Can I tell you one more incredible divining rod story from church history that blew my mind? Of course. Um let me set the scene. It's the movie The Mountain of the Lord. Which okay. in our house we watched like every Sunday. I, mm-hmm. my brother and I had that movie like memorized. We love that movie, <laughs> and it's a movie about the building of the Salt Lake Temple and like Wilford Woodruff's mm-hmm. journals through it all and Woo! whatever. Anyway, um, there's a scene in the Mountain of the Lord where they've like arrived in the Salt Lake Valley. Brigham Young is the prophet. The, the valley is just like barren, desolate, but this is the place, right? Mm-hmm. And they like go for a walk, Brigham Young and the apostles go for a walk. And he sticks his staff into the ground and he's like, this is where we'll build the Lord's house. And it's this very cinematic moment because there's just like nothing there. Mm-hmm. And the first priority is like, where are we going to build the temple? Right here. Where are we building the castle? Yeah. Um, that staff he stuck in the ground. Divining rod. Damn. I love that. I don't know how to articulate like how giddy it makes me to realize like how many of these people and stories that we've been taught to like revere and are like magic wackadoo fun speaking mm-hmm. of staffs please um i learned about something really interesting um coffin canes upon the death of joseph smith um somebody some awesome person decided to take the wood i guess maybe he was um reinterred or something and but the original box mm. that his body like traveled in they took mm-hmm. that wood box and they turned it into canes and um yeah those canes were like dispersed among like important figures in the church like brigham young got one like lots of people got them they made like seven or something like that and those were used to uh, like heal people perform magic um i'm gonna need to get my hands on one of those canes (laughs) like we have got to find one of those canes and it made me wonder like i'll bet one of those canes is like in the church history museum oh for sure we need to go back 
Well, no one yeah. what we know now. I mean, we used to like summers, our family would go to Salt Lake and we'd always go to the church history museum. We've been there so many times, Yeah. but knowing what we know now, I yeah. want to go back. I want to go back. See... I want to look for coffin canes. I want to mm-hmm. look at the fake bullet hole in that's exactly uh, john taylor's gonna... pocket watch yes yes because that's our go... family lore right i want to go to the like <laughs> emma smith section mm. and just like have a prayer you know yeah have gather the coven yeah seriously <laughs> yeah that sounds great we should do it yeah. mom and dad would be so stoked for like you know what we really want to do while we're here Let's all go to the church history museum. They'd be like, oh, our girls. They're back. They might be stoked. They might be like, oh, what do they have up their sleeves? I think they'd still be stoked. Mm-hmm. I think their hopes are high. Yeah, let's do that. And then let's go get pizza. Yeah. Pizzas. Slay. If you know. You know. Yeah. Okay. Can I share some more bombshells? Please. So there's famously this misdemeanor trial for joseph smith in like 1826-27 where he's charged with being quote-unquote a disorderly person Mm -hmm. and for years like the church church historians denied that this ever happened but it definitely happened and um so d michael quinn is like looking at all the records from this trial and he's talking about how like they don't actually paint joseph smith in a super negative light he mm-hmm. and he doesn't deny using a seer stone to find treasure, which is why he's being charged with being mm. a disorderly person. He doesn't deny it, he, but also he's like, "It's not fraud. I have a gift, you know." Like, yeah. And and the kind of record sort of reflects that. It's like these people believe yeah. in it, right? And you, like Protestants or whoever, yes, just you don't know how to play the game this is like hustlers mentality we this is like magic land yeah like, get with it yeah this is what we do honestly here honestly let's just like be honest about this like this is right. fine so i found that to be like really interesting that he's just like yeah i mean i'm not a fraud yeah i'm a magician and like very well may have believed he wasn't a fraud Mm-hmm. there are so many accounts in this book of people who are like looking at these seer stones and being like i see it wow so many people not just the prophet not just the leaders of the church regular people looking in these seer stones and being like oh i see my the day my mother dies or whatever they're seeing all sorts of stuff okay i do i need to become like the indiana jones of this shit like i need to get my hands on these things where are they whose attic are they in well well let me tell you joseph smith says everyone on earth is entitled to a seer stone that's what um, i'm talking about and if about. you don't have one it's because of your own wickedness or you just need to find it you just need to find it if you are righteous enough it's gonna plop onto your lap man you know it's interesting we're talking about stones i've been doing some landscaping and i have like probably 15 just like barrel fulls of river rocks on my property oh my god it's insane i'm gonna i'm gonna find it just you know like run your fingers over a few of them see what you feel see what visions come to mind yeah see if i just start like spouting incantations 
Yeah, why not? We'll see. Um, the apostles, like the current apostles, still have at least three of Joseph Smith's seer stones in their possession. It's just like a known thing. Maybe they're using them. This is my national treasure, and I'm Nicholas Cage, <laughs> and the seer stones are the Declaration of Independence. So one section of Quinn's book is about like the church turning away from magic and all of the sort of reasons for that and the evidence sure. of that. Um, and he, his kind of overarching claim is that as the church grew, more and more people joined the church who came from like more traditional religious backgrounds. You know, they were like mm-hmm. Protestants or Baptists or Methodists or whatever. Boo. And they were like not magic people. <laughs> Right. And so they expected the religion to look like the kinds of religions they knew. And those people quickly were outnumbering the like OG magic folks. Yeah, it's too bad. It's yeah. So so all of this stuff gets like uh, tweaked a little or buried a little and replaced with like well god's telling us the holy ghost is whispering you know like right more and more but i will say i do think that's one reason the temple is so freaking weird is because mm-hmm. it its origins are more sort of freaky folksy magicy, yeah and it didn't fully get stripped out Right, because it kind of at least somewhat had to stay the same. So it's still Masonic. It's still magic-y. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of symbols, a lot of signs, a lot of yeah. charms, if you will. A lot of, there's costume. <clears throat> right. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. When, when John Taylor became the prophet, he was the third president of the church. That was like a real shift because he had previously been a minister so he was just coming from like a very different tradition than like a joseph smith or a Brigham young yeah and he was like um we seem like devil worshipers (laughs) let's tone it down um and over the years the church started disciplining people for doing things like using peep stones and divining rods and astrology and mostly they started disciplining women who did it And I think that's definitely a shift worth mentioning is that the church started being like, well, the men have the priesthood. And so they're the ones with like rights to revelation Mm -hmm. for the group. And Mm -hmm. if everyone can have a seer stone or a divining rod, like that's too democratic. That's too like dispersed. We need to lock this down. And so um, even as like, Brigham Young still believes in astrology and even as like leaders in the church still have seer stones lay members of the church are being disciplined for for using those things so lame can a girl just have (laughs) a a vision just can a girl just have a little crystal come on please but when Quinn was writing this book in the 80s he was still like running into Mormons who were into this stuff like they're all around so cool there are like little pockets of mormonism where people are still like oh yeah get your divining rod out to find water in the desert that's and awesome get your seer stones out to like see the future 
And this is where I say, if you come from any such family, you Let us better know. get in those emails. <laughs> I'm dying to hear about if it. If you have a, if you have a, a, uh, an heirloom peep stone or divining rod. Yeah. If you don't send me a picture, I'm going to freak out. If I find out and you're a listener and you didn't send me a picture, I'm going to freak out. Like part of me knows, even though I don't know, part of me knows that like our family has some of this, right? Like you think about like grandma's family growing up in like middle of nowhere, Utah, farming on like arid land are you telling me they didn't use divining rods to find water please come on i know i just know it come on and it and it makes me so happy like i'm tingling with excitement i'm gonna go a step further actually i know members of our family are gonna listen to this mm-hmm. and if you people know yes i'm talking if any of our cousins who i know listen yeah. I have actually read any of the family history documents that our family has put out. And you've yeah, got you, little tidbits for us. If you've done any of that legwork of, of reading up on those, please. I can't say that I have myself. Neither have I. Got them on the there, shelf. I will. I want to say two uh, uh, along the lines of like punishing folks for being into this stuff. By the mid like 20th century, so when Bruce R. McConkie puts out the first edition of Mormon Doctrine, the church has flip-flopped so hard on all this stuff. Like in that book, he's he's like divination is like the devil's deception. Seer stones are like the devil's way of falsifying revelation. I mean, it's so aggressively anti all of these like magic fun rituals and Mm. um, objects. And that's so incredibly hypocritical considering at that point, they were not that far removed from like these practices. The leaders of the church knew that these were things that early church leaders did and to flip up that hard on them and yeah. pretend like they didn't know is it's bullshit. bold. It's bold. Yeah. And like, that's the culture of Mormonism that we grew up in was like, you would never oh. even think that Joseph Smith was looking into a hat at a rock no. to translate the Book of Mormon. That is not the story we were being told. I know there are people who said, well, I heard that. Okay, good for you. That was not the mainstream way of talking about the transition of the Book of Mormon. I mean, D. Michael Quinn publishes this book in 1987 and is excommunicated in 1993. And not not necessarily explicitly because of this book, but it didn't help. And it sure sends a message about like, Ooh, these people who are studying these topics of within Mormonism, like that's dangerous. We got to steer clear of these kinds of questions and ideas. Right. When like, no, this is just what happened. Yeah. Um, when I, I, I want to talk about this more extensively at some point, but just real quick, when I uh, interviewed to be faculty at BYU, which I, I was faculty at BYU for a little while. Um, I had to meet with a general authority because all people who are going to be full-time faculty have to. 
And it was one of the wildest experiences of my life. But in that interview, one of the things he he asked me was like, have you heard of the September 6th? And I was like, mm. yeah. And he was like, so you know, I mean, that's a cautionary tale. Like, that's a warning. Like, you want to steer clear of ideas that would lead you astray, right? Yeah. And, like, these were people writing about, like, feminism, basically. Right. Or, like, yeah, early church history as it really was. Sure. And in 2000... 11 or whatever year 2010 a general authority said to me be careful don't go down that road that's wild wild right i i'm trying to like articulate like why reading about this stuff is like so fun and like fascinating and like interesting to me as an ex-mormon and yeah I think there's just something about like, like when you see someone using divining rods on TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't think, I should send this to my mom. <laughs> she might find this. I mean, if I sent it to my mom, she would be like, what on earth? You yeah, know, she what, would be upset. Like, yeah, what evil like spirit right. energy have you allowed into my yes. life? Yeah. You should not be looking at these things. This is not a joke. This is not entertainment. Yeah, this is real. Right. Um, however, my mom, as a believing member of the church, makes decisions every day of her life based essentially on defining rods. Oh my god. I, I mean, love it. Really, Say it again. Really? All it's crazy. All believing Mormons are making decisions every day of their lives based on the outcome of a dude looking at a rock. In a hat. And in a, Sure. In a hat, out of a hat. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Like, we need to get real here. I know. I love it. It literally, it makes me feel like Indiana Jones. <laughs> it, it fills me with so much, like, joy, rage. <laughs> fascination curiosity mm-hmm. um uh just uh bewilderment bewilderment wonder <laughs> i will admit i'm not a perfect person it does give me some sense of superiority to like yeah. read this and recognize like yeah you guys you know yeah. like you're really like living based on this this wackadoo stuff like look alive that's what's happening <laughs> yeah and it's i'm a little not bit, yeah it's a little bit sad and i am someone who i like to meet with the occasional psychic i like to read the occasional tarot card i'm on divination tiktok i am not pretending like i am not interested or like and I don't dabble, but I am not making the decisions of my everyday life or the larger decisions of my life based on magic. I'm just not. But also, if they were openly doing that, that'd be an entirely different thing. It, yes, if, if we would acknowledge that that's what you're doing. 
yeah if dad was at home with the with the dousing rods please yes if he was in the fraternity of rodsmen and was like yeah that's what this is cool bro totally yeah tell me all about it i would much rather hear about that than about what they said at conference because be fucking for real this is what it is yep if mom was at home wiring you know gemstone talismans yeah for you know her homies yeah cool yeah i mean i would be a little i would have some concerns probably if they were i don't know that i would irrational decisions based on well sure but i mean i just think about like how the church when you are a believing member in the church every single thing you do is dictated by the church in a way that like uh like for example like our parents again i don't we shouldn't talk about them so much they're they are regular mormons they are yeah uh, lots of mormons do this but they just uh recently um were like doing their funeral preparations so that their children don't have to which is nice but morbid but whatever and um i was like talking to them about it and they told me about how being cremated is so much cheaper than not being cremated and um historically the church handbook discouraged members from being cremated but apparently Mm -hmm. the latest version of the handbook is like do whatever you want and my mom was like well now that the handbook says that we've decided blah 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 like that level of decision making is driven by the church like every single little thing it's like what does Mm -hmm. the handbook say Mm -hmm. because the handbook that either the handbook says that you know if you're cremated maybe your spirit body is going to be burned up or the handbook can say no it's all good but it's all up to the handbook it's all up to the handbook yes and let's just be for real about the origins of these ideas that are in the handbook is all i'm trying to say here and perhaps that they are still using those methods to come to these conclusions today that they're not because as was very well argued in this book it's pretty common for the leaders of the church to be like don't say too much about how you're doing this period and you know the church is so bizarre nowadays it's so different (laughs) who's to say 15 20 50 years from now they aren't going to be on their own uh virtual reality version of tiktok with (laughs) their own church employed um divination expert yeah rodsman if you will who's to say and i'm just i'm just here for the ride i'm just along to watch and I'm going to be old. I'm going to be in this chair right here. <laughs> and I'm going to be 80 years old. I'm going to be like, I fucking, I know about this. This is crazy. Uh, Rodsman, rise up. No, <laughs> too much. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> anyway, this has been a real treat. 
If uh, you have any interest in early Mormonism in the magic worldview, I got to tell you, it delivers page after page after page. Like, don't hesitate. Just reading your book report, (laughs) I couldn't help. I was like making little comments on the Google Doc. Yeah. I was like highlighting, underlining. It was like I was reading this for a a class, man. I was so into it. I have little like posted notes everywhere. I mean, the just such a thrill ride. And isn't it nice just to read for leisure? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm not, this didn't change anything I believe in. I don't feel like I have to apply it to my life or my prayers or my activities in any way. And that is golly, just a joy in and of itself. Amen. Anyway, if you have any knowledge of contemporary Mormons who are into this shit, please email us at pleasebluspot at gmail.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you just have any insider information about magic and Mormonism, we want to know. I want, honestly, any and all Mormon artifacts. Mm-hmm. Let's open a museum. Yep. Hit us with it. I mean, only uh, weird stuff. I don't want, like, cool stuff. Send that to the museum. I want, like, weird stuff. I want the weird stuff. Yeah. The stuff that's been rotting in somebody's attic for a hundred years. Yeah. I want the stuff that's going to, my ancestors are going to like haunt me via the objects. That's yeah. what I'm looking for. Yes. Um, <clears throat> follow us everywhere at Please Bless Pod. TikTok. Instagram. Those are the big ones. But we're on Twitter. We're on threads. Uh rate and review the podcast on spotify on apple wherever you listen to it uh feel free to follow us on tiktok and watch as well as listen anything else katie i think you nailed it great rodsman out (laughs) and please bless this podcast amen